our feet. We're going to worship the Lord together. Put our hands together and bless his name. He's worthy, amen. Come on, 
sing it out, say Lord. Shine, Jesus, you shine for all the world to see. You are glory. give him some praise this morning. Hey, we serve an awesome God. Amen? No one like our God. Hey, as we continue to worship this morning, hey, can we just take a moment and slip our hands to heaven and invite the presence of the Lord here? How many want the pre more, more of the presence of the Lord? Amen? Well, Father, we just come to you this morning, Lord, knowing, Lord, that every day we need more of you. And God, we pray, Lord, as we continue, Lord, with our hearts and stretched to you, God, our hands lifted high and voices to you, God, that you would come near, God, no matter what we walk through, Lord, in each and every day of our life, God, Lord, as you come closer, as those things begin to fall to the side, God, and I pray that your presence, Lord, would be so real and minister to every need as we continue to love on you in this place, in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen.
nobody beside you and there has never been anyone anything like you nobody beside you and there has never been anyone anything like you nobody beside you and there has never been anyone anything like you nobody beside you and there has never been anyone anything like you nobody beside you and there will never be anyone anything like you nobody beside you and there will never be anyone anything like you oh god the glory is yours the kingdom is come and the battle is over jesus in your name we rise and the glory is yours the glory is yours oh god the glory is yours the kingdom is come and the battle is over jesus in your name we rise and the glory is yours the glory is yours it belongs to you oh god The kingdom is come and the battle is over. Jesus, in your name we rise and the glory is yours. The glory is yours. It belongs to you, Jesus. I say, go ahead, give him some praise in this house this morning. We bless your name.
see while they serve you the communion but keep that heart of worship as we continue to love on Jesus
got kids, you know this week you had to do a lot of reminding. School starting, don't forget to get your backpack ready. School starting, don't forget we got to get up earlier. School starting, did you get your homework? How many know remembering is a good thing if that child is going to go and excel and, and go forward? Well, that's what communion is, remembering Jesus. It is remembering what he did for us, what he's doing for us, and what he will one day do. Communion, I suggest to you, friends, is the greatest reminder of hope no matter what we face in life. I was surrounded by death this week in three people that I know and care about. There's a young man in our church family in his early 20s, driving home and unexpectedly had an accident and went to be with the Lord. A dear friend of mine, a pastor and his wife, she battled with brain cancer nine months and she went to be with the Lord this week. I have another dear friend, her daddy is been under hospice care the last few days and they're thinking anytime he could go I mean no death changes everything and can I tell you Jesus changes death he turns every sad funeral every tear in every funeral for every Christian we walk away with tears but we also walk away with hope because Jesus said just as I rose from the dead so you too shall rise one day and that's the hope we bring to communion today for those that are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ Adopted in the family of God, there is hope of eternal life. Paul the Apostle said these words. He said, I received from the Lord that which I delivered to you. That the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he'd given thanks, he broke it and said, Take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Think about me. Think about the love that I have for you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He came to give his life on the cross. We don't hear about it in public life anymore. It's not celebrated on the news. It's not taught in our schools. But the Bible says that our sin has separated us from God. The Bible says what Adam and Eve did when they turned their back on God affected the whole human race. And the whole human race goes through this valley of death. It's a judgment for sin. Jesus came to take our place on the cross so we wouldn't have to experience the second death, that is eternal death that separates us from God. 
as we eat this bread today, we may remember what Christ did for us and the great love of God that he has. Lord, I just pray that today in a very real way, the love that you had for me, have for me would grow deeper and deeper. Before I even knew you, Lord, you knew me. You knew we'd be born and you wanted to make a way so death would not be an ending. Bless this bread today. Let it be life to all of us. If we're sick in our bodies, if we're sick in our soul, let us be healed in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's eat together. In the same manner, he took the cup after supper and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. That song we sing about the blood of Jesus, somewhat novel song. Again, you don't hear it played on the radio much. But yet it reminds us, the color of this cup, it reminds us of the color of the blood of Christ. The Bible teaches us this truth. Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. You know, anything about the Old Testament, you know, it was filled with animal sacrifices. And most of those sacrifices were to make atonement or to cover or pay the price for the sin of the people that brought it. Yet John the Baptist introduced Jesus as the Lamb of God, come on, who takes away the sin of the world. No more animals, no more need to stand in judgment of God for my own sins. Christ has done that for us. Today, Lord, with this cup in hand, we, first of all, we acknowledge our own sins, the things we've done wrong and those that we have failed to do right. And we once again ask for your forgiveness and cleansing. And by faith, we receive it on our confession. Today, Lord, we also choose to forgive those that have sinned against us. We don't want to drink judgment and condemnation in our lives. We ask you, Lord, to bless this cup. Lift your cup to heaven today because the Bible says we celebrate this. We remember until he comes again. And can I tell you, friend, one day, and it may be sooner than you think, come on, there's going to be a loud trumpet sound, the Bible says. The dead in Christ shall rise, and then we which remain shall be caught up together in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. It is the second coming of Christ. It is the rapture of the church. We look forward to his return. Let's drink together. Praise the Lord. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord. Hey, let's all stand up. We're going to sing one more song this morning.
Welcome to Church on the Rock. We're so happy you're here worshiping with us today. In the chair back in front of you, we have a lot of information about our church. Our inside look lets you know everything about who we are and what we believe in. Our ministry guide gives you plenty of ways to get connected through classes, small groups, and outreach opportunities. If you are a first-time guest, please fill out the white card in the seat back in front of you, drop it in the offering, or you can take it across the hall to the Connect Room where you will receive a free gift bag. Don't forget about our coffee bar and snacks between Sunday services in the Connect Cafe. So glad you're here and we hope you know that there's always a place for you at Church on the Rock. Here's what's happening at Church on the Rock. The first Saturday of every month, we have free extended child care for our Saturday night attendees. You can go out on a date or run some errands till 9.30, and pizza is provided for the kids. Pick up a ticket from an usher after Saturday night service, recheck your child in, and you're on your way. It's the beginning of our new fall semester, and with that comes our new inside look and ministry guide. The Ministry Guide is the place to find out how you can grow in your walk with God and get more connected into the Church on the Rock family. Get involved in our equip classes, our specialty groups that meet in homes around the area, and our Wednesday life groups, which begin next Wednesday, August 31st. Pick up a Ministry Guide and find a place for you. Well, welcome to Church on the Rock. Are you doing good today? Awesome. We are so glad that you're here. You're looking good today. And no better place to be than worshiping the Lord, right? Right. Hey, if you look at the seat back right in front of you, you just saw it on the announcement video. Hot off the press is our new inside look at our ministry guide. Our inside look is basically the DNA of our church, what we believe, what we believe the Lord has called us to do in the city. And this ministry guide, I'm telling you, is the lifeblood of our church. Everything that's going on from kids to youth to adults, all kinds of small groups are in here on Wednesday night and throughout the week. And listen, we encourage you to get involved in a small group. How many people know sometimes life, it has its ups and downs, right? Some of y'all don't have ups and downs. I think we all do. But it's great to have a group of people that you can be with, that you can encourage, and you can just walk this journey together. So we encourage you to take this home, find something that will connect with you and your family, and let's get involved this fall. Amen? Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with us to Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24. We're going to look at that scripture for the offering. And also, this service is pretty full right now, praise the Lord. We also have two other services. We have a Saturday night service at 6. We have a Sunday morning service at 9. It's the same service every week. And so if you'd like to come where there's not as many people, you can come to one of those services, and we'd encourage you to do that. But Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24, the Bible declares this. 
one gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Isn't that interesting that this verse was written several thousand years ago, but it rings true today just as it did back then. Listen, when God tells us to give something and we do it, you would think that we would have less when we give something away, but in fact, we have more. God blesses what we have. Amen? And it seems like we have more blessings, we have more money, we have more favor, we have more peace. Yet sometimes when God tells us to give something and we don't, it seems like we have less. We should have more because we didn't give it, but it's like we have less. We have less favor, we have less blessing, and we want more stuff. I want to encourage everyone this morning, let's listen to the Lord and let's give Him what He wants. You know, as I was just thinking about the last few weeks, we've showed a lot of pictures and videos about what's went on this summer from mission trips to kids camps to youth camps. All those things are possible because we give. And when we give what God tells us to to give, God turns those things, that money, those pieces of paper into ministry. God changes lives because we are faithful. God does miracles because we are faithful. And listen, again, thank you so much for giving. Also, we're very aware of what's happened over the last few weeks in Louisiana, particularly the Baton Rouge area. Flooding, people have died, people have lost their homes. And this Tuesday, we're sending a check to a couple different churches just to help bless people in those communities. So if you would like to send a a special offering, just put on your offering envelope or debit slip, just put Louisiana or floods, and we'll make sure they get it. Hey, how many people know God can do a lot with what we have? Look, God bless you, and we'll see you uh, in a few minutes. Well, we're here, so God bless you as you give. song be an opportunity for us to connect with God. I want to encourage you as we've been singing that, Jesus, I love you. Could you just say that out loud? Say, Jesus, I love you. I'm going to let him hear your voice. I love you, Lord. 
I was not taught to say that as a boy in church. I don't know why. But Lord, we want to collectively say it again. Lord, we love you. And it's our desire to be close to you. Come on, we're going to just pray a little bit. Let me encourage you. Just join me as I lead in this. Lord, I want to love you more. I want you to just pray that right now. You see, the Bible says the greatest commandment in all the world is to love the Lord with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. So, Lord, we want to say, help us love you more. Show us, Lord, what it means to love you with all our heart. Just reach out to God with me right now and say, Lord, I, I want to give you the right just to change my heart in ways that need to be changed. If there's anything that's separating from me from you, Lord, I want to give you the right to change it. Come on, pray that right now. It doesn't do any good if I pray it. But if you say, Lord, I give you the right to change me, Lord, you're like... I'm like a piece of clay and you're like the potter and I'm giving you the right to shape me into the life you want me to live I just pray as the Lord's prayer says Lord let your kingdom come and, and let your will be done can you just say that? say Lord let your will be done in my life let it be done in my family's life Come on, pray that with me now. Let it be done, Lord, in my kids and, and in my church, Lord, in our city here, Texarkana, USA. And, and Lord, uh, the coming elections, we just want to pray, let your kingdom come, Lord. Let your will be done. Lord, we need some help in America, and we want to pray that it would start among your people. God, that you would help us, Lord, to live a righteous life, a godly life. Lord, forgive us when we do things that are wrong and hurtful to people. And Lord, help us be the people you want us to be. We love you. Come on, say it again. Lord, we love you. Lord, we love you. We love you. Oh, how we love you. You are the one that our hearts sing one more song this morning. Is it okay we just take a little time in the presence of the Lord? It's a simple song. It's a, it's a song we used to sing a lot. It's called Let It Rain. Well, how many know what happened a few days ago in the middle of August? We got inches of rain, the temperature cooled down, and how many know the plants just came back alive? Well, do you know we need spiritual rain just like the plants need water from heaven? How many know we need spiritual rain? Maybe you're, maybe you're discouraged or down, or maybe your spiritual life is dry. Maybe you've got some big problems ahead of you. Can I tell you, God is big enough to help us with anything. Uh, I, listen, I had two oak trees in my yard and two limbs that big fell off and broke when it was so dry. But when the rain came, their leaves just sprung back to life. I want to tell you, your Heavenly Father wants to do that with us. Because the Bible says as we draw near to God, what does it say? He's going to draw near to us. That's what worship is. It's a way to draw near to God. Come on, sing it with me. Let it rain. Let it rain. Let it rain in our lives. Open the floodgates of
pray for our own lives in a moment, but can we just take just a second and pray for those outside the walls of the church today in places where you and I once were that definitely need God to visit them. They may be in jail. They might not even woke up this morning because their head's hurting so bad from a hangover. They could have slept with someone and been drunk and not even know who it was wondering this morning, am I pregnant? Do I need the morning after pill? How many know life is pretty tough out there? Listen, there's people all around us that are hurting and desperate and trouble and need for God. And Lord, we want to just simply pause a minute and pray for these people today. We're not any better than anyone else, but God, you've simply touched our lives. And that's why we're worshipers now. And we want to pray for every person in our city that's away from God. We want to pray for every drug dealer, every gang member. Lord, everyone that's in jail today, everyone that's been on violence, every home that's, that's contemplating a divorce, and every child that's wondering if daddy's going to come back home. We want to pray that God would just reign over every person. Come on, pray with me right now. Every person in need in our city, every lost person, every backslidden person, God, we just pray over them today. God, in Jesus' name. Let's do this for one moment. I want you to take somebody by the hand near you simply as a way of showing Christian unity, as a way of showing God's cares. And I want us to pray this simple prayer. Lord, bless my friend today. Could you just pray that over their life? You have no idea what they're going through right now. Just pray God bless them today. God, smile on them. God, smile on their family. And, and God, smile on their home. And God, smile on their finances. And, and smile on their health and their physical body. And, and smile on their mental health, Lord. Their, uh, smile on their workplace. God, all of their life, Lord. Reach down from heaven and let it rain on our friends today. Come on, pray for one another now. God bless my friend. Lord, cause your goodness to shine in their life. Let them know, Lord, that you care. Come on, pray right now. Just pray. Lord, let them know you care. There's no need to be hopeless. No need to be hopeless because God is a good God. Come on one more time. Open the floodgates of heaven. Come on, reach out to heaven one last time. Let it rain. Let it rain. Hey, that just makes me feel good to worship and pray like that, huh? Yeah, God is a good God. Hey, before you're seated, I want you to tell your neighbor, I am glad I'm sitting by you today. Glad you're at church. Hey, turn your Bibles this morning, 2 Peter chapter 3, 2 Peter 3. And uh, before we jump in the Word, let me just take a peek at this pulpit here. Now, it's got three legs. I mean, it's got a base on it, but imagine if it didn't have this base and we cut one of the legs off. What would it do? It'd fall over. Sure. Well, how many know there's three vitally important relationships that we all need, three important connecting points in our spiritual life? And the first one, the first leg on the stool is our daily time with God. I mean, every day I, I read my Bible. Every day I take some time to pray. The second one is what we're doing now, coming together to worship as the body of Christ, coming together to pray, to learn God's Word, to have fellowship. But there's a third one that I want to highly encourage you to connect with, and that's, and that's finding a small group of people to share life with. 
Uh, church, you know, if you're not careful, it can be like a movie. You go to the theater with people you don't know, and then you're right back in the home, in the car to the next deal. But that's why we do all these different small groups and life groups and classes. It's to help you find people to share the journey of life with. So please take one of these. They're brand new. They're in the back of the chair. And I promise you, it'll help you find people that are like you in, in this church. 2 Peter 3.18, we've been, we're finishing a series today called The Final Chapter. It's, uh, we've been looking at future events predicted in the Bible. Uh, it's called The Last Days, the days in which we live. We've talked about the second coming of Christ but my focus has been not just what's going to happen, but how we should be living in these last days. Well, here's the question we're going to focus on today. What happens after the last days are over? The Bible calls it eternity. And that's what we're going to focus on this morning. 2 Peter 3.18, the great apostle Peter closes his letter by saying this, Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, I want you to mature, keep walking with God, keep learning, keep growing, keep doing those things to advance the kingdom. And then he closes with this, to him, to Christ, be the glory both now and to the, to the day of eternity. Uh, other translation says the day of eternity means forever, the age to come, the day that has no end. I've entitled this morning's message, Eternity, and I simply, as we explore what the Bible says about it, I want to encourage you to live each day with an awareness of eternity. Let's explore. First of all, let's talk about time and eternity. We live in this thing called time. We're so used to it. It just, you know, we just accept everything as hours and minutes and days. But when my kids were little, if you can imagine Rebecca, let's say she's about five, six years old, and we had this game we would play in the car. It was called the I Love You game. And I might be, we might be riding down the road, and, and there was a big house, and I'd say, Rebecca, I love you as big as that house. And she'd say, well, I love you as big as all the trees and all the grass around the houses. And I'd say, well, I love you as big as all the grass and all the trees everywhere in the whole world. And when she got to be about the fifth grade, she said, well, I love you as big as infinity. Well, that closed the argument because... Because the finite and the infinite are as different as time and eternity. We live in time. We think tomorrow is going to be like today, but that's not the case. There's no guarantee. Time, by definition, is simply the moment something happens, when something begins or ends. You and I understand everything in the context of time, minutes, days, hours, years, months, decades, centuries, millennium. The reference point, April 24th, 1957 was the day I was born. Uh, August 27th, 2016, last Friday night at 7.30, high school football kicked off across the, across the region. Time has a beginning and an ending to it. Ecclesiastes 3 says there is a time for everything, a season for every activity under the heavens. He's, listen, he says there's a time to born, be born and there's a time to die. And our whole life is referenced by the moment of our birth and the moment of our death. Time gives us context to understand the past, the present, and the future. But eternity transcends time. One day, no, one day time as we know it will be no more. One day you'll no more need your watch. One day you won't need your iPhone to wake you up in the morning. Uh, our whole life is measured this way. This idea of eternity, eternity is endless time. 
it is forever and ever. It is, for example, as the Bible talks about, an unending existence after death. We'll talk about that. Eternity includes the past, but the past without a beginning. We see the past as a beginning. God created the seculars believe in a big bang or planets or that were some believe that the universe is pre-existing but the bible says that it all had a beginning and god was before that eternity includes the present eternity includes the future but it goes beyond that time when time is no more there was an angel that told mary about jesus and she talked about this luke 133 she said uh, the angel said jesus will reign over the house of jacob Forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. It's like when you study math and, and there's the line, the timeline. But when you put arrows on the end of it, the finite becomes infinite. And it says Jesus reigns in the past and in the future eternally. Now definitions intrigue me and how they've changed over the years. In the 1828 dictionary, Webster's Dictionary, the first dictionary America knew, his definition of eternity was without beginning or end... And then he says this, the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity. And he quotes Isaiah 57 and then says God has existed from eternity. The dictionary. You're told today, Webster's 11th dictionary, the definition's somewhat the same, a seemingly endless or immeasurable time, but there's no mention of God. You that are young in particular are being raised in a culture that's taught you to believe that there is no God. Evolution has somehow explained it away. And my friends, I want to encourage you to, if you think about evolution, it takes more faith to believe that than it does in the deliberateness of a creator. But we live in a world today that has scrubbed the concept of God from our world. We've scrubbed the principles of economics from our culture. We've embraced an economics that basically says, just keep borrowing and printing and creating money and it's no problem. Just live that way. But the Bible says the borrower is the servant of the lender. We live in a world that's forgotten about God, and I suggest to you, you cannot understand eternity apart from God. Not only does God give context to eternity, but God speaks to you and I about eternity and what will happen. Let me begin with this. God is eternal. Genesis 1.1, which means He exists beyond the constraints of time. Before there was time, there was God. The first four words of the Bible are over my head. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Before there was any universe, before matter existed, before the billions of stars in our galaxy and the billions of galaxies, God existed. In the beginning, you say, well, I can't understand that. That's why you're a human being, a finite mortal, and God is infinite, and He lives in immortality. Revelation, the last book of the Bible, talking about Jesus, says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and last letter of the Greek alphabet, the one who is, say it with me, and who was the past and who is to come, the Almighty. Isaiah says, from eternity to eternity, I am God. The New Century Version says, I have always been God. The psalmist says, before the mountains were born, before you created the earth and the world, you are God. You have always been and you will always be. Come on now. Paul, in his letter to Timothy, says, now to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, to him be glory and honor. Come on, forever and ever. Give him a big hand today. 
He is worthy of our praise. That's the God you're here to learn about today. That's the God we remembered in our communion time today. That's the God who offers the promise of salvation. Now, the Bible teaches that human beings will live forever. You had a beginning. I had a beginning when I was conceived in my mother's womb. God gave me life, but my life will go on beyond the day of my death. The Bible says that we have, have, we have a beginning point as, as human beings, but we will live eternity, eternally. John 5, 28, Jesus said this, don't marvel at this. You see, death for us is an ending. It's a cessation. There's no longer a place needed for you at the Thanksgiving table when you're dead. There's no longer need to buy a, an extra room in the house for you when we buy our next home because you're not there, not biblically. Don't marvel at this. An hour is coming when all who are in the graves of the tombs will hear His voice. You say, how can a dead person hear? Their spirits rejoin to His body. Those bodies that are decayed, that are corrupted, those people that were buried in the Civil War, those people that, that, that are buried in Pearl Harbor, those people, wherever they are in cemeteries, crem crematories, ashes spread, God will somehow recollect that body together. And the Bible says they will hear His voice and we'll come out of the grave, those who have done good to the resurrection, resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection. resurrection of judgment. It is as if there is a T in the road and those that have walked with God will turn to the right and those that have ignored God will go to the left. Jesus said all human beings will live after we die. The only question is where. Yeah. It is judgment day that will determine where I spend eternity. The Bible is very clear, though, that it's the decisions we make for Christ in this life that will determine what will happen on Judgment Day. Did I accept Him or reject Him? Because that day will be eternally too late. How many know if you say, well, I don't believe in God? Well, when you're standing before Him on Judgment Day, I think you'll probably have a different mindset. It'll be too late. Judgment Day, Revelation chapter 20. Now, somewhere in this portion of the book of Revelation, I can't be exactly certain where, but I think it's pretty close to this, time stops. You throw the watch away and eternity begins, or eternity goes forwards. John the Revelator said, I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. White is a picture of purity, of righteousness, of holiness, of God. The throne is representative of God's ultimate authority. And listen to this. The earth and the heavens fled from His presence. There was no place for them. You know, the Bible literally says, as we'll read later, there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. All I know about life is the anchor to this earth. We watched astronauts make a journey to the moon. They'd say they're going to Mars, but, but pretty much all I, all I know has been around this spinning orb one of a billion stars in our universe, of a billion universes, spinning around the sun, being, being somehow uh, uh, held in place by the moon for gravity, for tides, and all these things. And it's spinning so fast we're not even aware of it, and gravity holds us connected here. Jesus said, one day it's, it's going to go. It's going to leave. There'll be no place. And I saw the dead. This is those that have died the first death. There's two deaths in the Bible. We'll see the first one is physical death. Great and small, standing before the throne. The person who goes to work in their own private helicopter. The person who 
lives in a third world country and walks to the store every day to buy a handful of beans and rice to feed their family. They're there. And the Bible says books were opened. I suggest to you these books record everything about human life. The Bible says that God knows every thought we think. He knows the number of hairs on our head. We're acquainted with computers. I tell you, Facebook sometimes makes me mad, but it's pretty intriguing. Facebook is pretty cool. But it amazes me. It tells me what I posted five years ago. And I post a picture of playing golf with my son or, or hunting with my daughter. We went turkey hunting. And I think, well, how cool. Well, yeah, somebody now knows about me too. It's not just Facebook. It's out there. Better be careful what you post. But, but if Facebook can do that, I just created a, a new page. Uh, Pastor John Miller, I'd invite you to join me. Every day I post a devotional there. It's no politics. It's nothing but just Bible and gospel and, and, and sermons. But anyway, Facebook even know who I knew that I could reach out to to invite to be a part of that page. Well, if we accept Facebook can do this, can we not accept that God can do that for every person in the world? And that in these books, they're open. And another book was open, which is the book of life. This is the good one. The dead were judged according to what they had done. Not good. How many sins does it take to make a sinner? Only one. Most people, if you ask them if they're going to heaven, they'll say yes. If you ask them why, they'll say because I'm a good person. The problem, though, is you cannot be good enough to go to heaven. You cannot earn your way because one sin tips the scales against you and you cannot stand in the presence of a holy God. Death in Hades. Hades was the holding place of the unrighteous dead. They gave up the dead in them, and each person, each person was judged according to what they had done. And death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is a picture of hell. The lake of fire is the second death. It's a spiritual death. And anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life, this is tragic, was thrown into the lake of fire. Judgment is a day, is a gateway into eternity. And the book of life determines those that will live with God for eternity but those that have rejected God will live in a real place. Heaven and hell are real. And let me tell you, friends, we don't hear much about hell. The first thing, let me say to this to you, the Bible says it's real, but God doesn't want anyone to go there. Whenever you think of hell, think of John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever would believe in Him, no matter how bad you've been, would not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. God loves us so much, God Himself left heaven and came down. Listen, but God's given us free will. Free will is the capacity to choose, and part of the choices we make in life is do I accept the offer of Christ? Whether I'm the most educated person in the room today or whether I'm the least educated. How many know knowing God is not dependent on education? At some point, it becomes a matter of do I believe or do I not believe? Come on, what the Bible teaches. Because there are people way smarter than me on both sides of the picture. Be careful who you're listening to. Hell is literal. It is described in the Bible as eternal punishment by fire. It is a place of unimaginable suffering and torment. The Bible says there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. And mind you, the Scripture says God's intent is not that anyone would go. But the Bible also says wide is the path to destruction and many go there. Narrow is the path to life and few find it. Those who would say that God is unfair to punish sin... They underestimate the seriousness of sin. There are sins in the Bible. Sodom and Gomorrah was judged for sins of sexual immorality. But in our own nation, not too long ago, we took the same immoral behavior 
and we said, no, that's good, it's right, it's normal, and if you disagree, we'll throw you in jail. That's where it's headed. It's, it's called a hate crime. But the very thing that God said can damn you eternally, modern culture would say, no, we get to decide what's right and wrong. And if I feel that's okay, if it's right for me, then you can't tell me what to do. It means you're judging me. Listen, friend, I'm not judging you. I love you more, come on, than the person that's on the other side of this issue because I'm willing to tell you the truth. I'm willing to tell you what the Bible says about a loving God, but the boundaries He has put around our behavior. It's not just homosexual behavior. It's heterosexual behavior. It's a sin if I go outside the boundary of a sexual relationship other than with the woman sitting on the front row. It's a boundary that I, that, that, that I, that I live within. Listen, um, perhaps this is why this whole issue, Matthew, Jesus said that we're to fear him who can destroy the body and soul in hell. But here's, let's get off that one. Let's go to the good one. How about the names that are written in the book of life? How many believe your name is there? Yeah. <laughs> That's a pretty important question. What happens to them? Let's go to Revelation chapter 21. This is after the great white throne judgment. Time is no more. Jesus, uh, John said, I, I saw a picture, a vision. It was a new heaven and a new earth. You remember the old heaven and earth fled at the presence of God? A new heaven and a new earth. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It's as if God recreates everything for us. It's like God is the ultimate daddy. And he is making a place, listen, where all of us will enjoy turkey hunting one day. It won't just be me. All of us will enjoy duck hunting. You know, I'm just kidding. I don't know if it's turkey hunting in heaven or not, but what else would they eat at the marriage supper of the lamb? I mean, come on now. I mean, little, little turkey strips and, you know, some fried and some gravy with some onions and mushrooms. It's good. I heard a loud voice from the throne, and it said, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. Say this with me. And he will dwell with them. Just like in the Garden of Eden in the cool of the day. Robert, imagine one day we're going to be walking with God. We're going to see him face to face. He'll look at you for the first time. He'll call your name. He'll say, he'll say oh, oh, well, not just for the first time. And I can't just say every day or every moment because he is. They wanted to, listen, Jesus comes into the city and they want to make him a king. But then when they say, where's your authority come from? And he just says, well, uh, I am. The Greek words ego ami, which simply meant he identified with the Old Testament description of God, the one who was and is and is to come. Jesus said, hey guys, I'm God. And then they wanted to kill him. But one day in eternity, you're going to see him in perpetuity. You're going to relate, you that never had the love of a father, are going to have the love of a father you never imagined. You're going to have the perfect love, come on, that only God could give, that only the one that created us can give. He's going to be with us forever. Verse 4 says, He'll wipe away every tear from their eyes. You may be literally in pain right now. You may be hurting, but can I tell you, friend, one day it's going to be over. He'll wipe away your tears. There'll be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying. Come on, no more pain. The old order of things is gone. That's what happened in time between Genesis and Revelation. 
Verse 27, nothing impure will enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. I mean, no, that's a book you don't want to miss. Come on, give the Lord a good, a good hand today. <laughs> Solomon, the wisest man in the Old Testament, here's what he told us in the latter part of his life. He said, you and I should live each day conscious of eternity and judgment day. Hear me in particular, young people. Here's a guy that was able to do everything you want to do. Well, old people, too far as that goes. This guy was a king. He was wealthy. You know, he was able to... He, he, it took him years to build a house, and then he built another one. And then he built a temple. He built beautiful gardens. He was educated at the, at the, to the nth degree. He had experienced his life. He did things... If he, listen, if there had been airplanes and hot air balloons, he'd have been up there diving. I mean, he did everything. But he also backslid and he tried to find happiness in immoral, immoral ways and unrighteous ways. But when he ended his life, this man said this. He said, now all has been heard. Here's the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. The King James says the whole duty of man. Why? Verse 14, God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it's good or evil. Now, let me say this to you. The risk of being wrong about eternity is like a game of chance you're playing. This picture up here. How many know what that is? You know, Pastor Nate? Oh, you heard somebody say? <laughs> Pastor Travis knew last night. Did he tell you? You'd be very shy and coy on the front row. This is his third time. He knows the joke. You go to the casino, you get this impression and a number. They're going to spin the ball around, and if your, your money's on the number, you get the money. But in most cases, the house gets the money. Come on, just like when you pull the machine and when you play the card game. I mean, no, ultimately they win. The longer you play, the more they're going to win your money. But that's the way gambling is. Well, I suggest to you people that people are gambling with their eternal soul. They're gambling that God is not real. They're gambling that the Bible is not true. They're gambling that I'll have tomorrow to get right with God. There was a philosopher, his name was Blaise Pascal. And you might have read about his, what's called Pascal's Wager in philosophy class. He was a philosopher and mathematician. But he argued that it was in our best interest to believe and behave as if God exists. Since the possibility of eternal punishment in hell outweighs any advantage of believing otherwise. He said, if God doesn't exist, you'll only have a finite loss. If this whole Christian, listen, if Christianity is not real, I haven't lost anything. I have a nice life. I have a decent vehicle. I have a, a nice house I live in. I have a wife of 34 years. I've got three kids. I've got grandchildren about to come, and I've got a dog and a cat. The only thing that didn't go great lately is my sweet potatoes aren't growing real good this year. But, but, but I've had a good life. So if Christianity is not true, listen, I've lost nothing. That's what Pascal said. He said, you'll lose some pleasure, you'll lose some luxury. I could have I probably had a bigger house because I didn't pay my tithe. I, I could have had a, a bigger, newer car, but I'm happy with the one I have. But he said, you'll only have a finite loss. But whereas if you will receive finite gains, that is eternity in heaven, and avoid the infinite loss of eternity in hell, I suggest to you deliberately rejecting God's offer of salvation Saying no to Jesus is like playing Russian roulette with a loaded gun. 
And I don't mean an automatic, but I mean the gun that's got the chamber in it. And it's got six bullets in it. You look it up. It's called a drinking game. You take one bullet and you put it in the gun and you spin the chamber. And then, however many are sitting around the circle, you do this insane thing and you put the gun to your head and you pull the trigger. Well, how many know if it's six of you there and five of them have had an empty chamber, how many know you need to walk away pretty quick, guy? It's insane to even think of doing something like that. But that's exactly what people are doing with their soul. Many modern philosophers think Pascal's wager is the weakest of all arguments to believe in the existence of God. They say it's irrational. But I suggest to you in their arrogance, they are spinning a loaded gun. And every time they hear the gospel and change the channel, every time they hear a sermon, every time they ignore the Bible in the hotel room, every time they change the radio station, they're pulling the trigger. Eternity is not a game best left to chance. Psalm 89 says this, Remember how short my life is. Remember how empty and futile this human existence. Say this with me. No one can live forever. All will die. No one can escape the power of the grave. I want to look at that phrase, Remember how short my life is. I heard a phrase recently that said, The days are long, but the years are short. Pretty good one, I'll say it again. The days are maybe long, but the years are short. I remember yesterday, I was playing ball. I was in probably fifth or sixth grade, and I was in a town called Hernando. As best I can recall, there was one baseball field there. It was by the National Guard Armory. But the cool thing I remember about that is one year, there was a restaurant owner. His name was Kenny. And Kenny would give you a, a, a little coupon so that if you got a double, you would get a hamburger. And if you got a triple, you'd get a cheeseburger. And if you got a home run, you'd get a barbecue at Kenny's. Now, I want to tell you, we were after those little pieces of paper just like your kids are after those tokens upstairs in church. That was yesterday. I also remember yesterday I was in the ninth grade, and I was playing second base on the high school team. And it wasn't because we didn't have many high schoolers. It was just because I was pretty good. <laughs> the preacher does it too. I'm playing second base. I remember I hit this ball one time, and, and, and I, was, I could run as fast as a rabbit. And my coach told me, he said, when you hit, you don't look at the ball. You look at your base coaches, and they'll tell you when to stop. I was running past first, second. I was on my way to third, and the coach was going, and he's laughing and doing like that. And he said, slow down. You just hit a home run. <laughs> Yesterday, I was playing ball. I was in the 11th grade. I was at Magnolia Heights, and... Our, base, our football field was connected to the baseball field, and I remember I hit it in left center field. So you think I'm just a skinny little old guy now, but I was, listen, I was a baseball player. I hit another one. That, that ball hit the goal post and just kept on going. You don't believe me, do you? I got that ball at home, and it is there in my shrine in my little personal study. It was yesterday. And then yesterday, I was playing ball on the Church on the Rock team, and I was zo not zooming. I was, you know, I was just kind of running from second to third as fast as I could go, and I, I tore the meniscus in my knee. And I hadn't even put on a baseball glove since then. It was all yesterday. Life is short, the Bible says. It's a vapor. Yesterday, Linnell and I showed up here. I was in my early 30s. She was in her late 20s. We had a two-year-old, and we were way over our head. And today, 60 is around the corner. Life is short. 
are you laughing at? Huh? The wages of sin is death. See, now, I had this all planned how we were going to end, and y'all messed it up. <laughs> Love you, too. Now, really, let's go back to the baseball. That was pretty good. No, seriously. I, I, I want to close with this. It's a scripture, two scriptures that everyone's heard. The wages of sin is death. It's the outcome. But what we don't hear is it's two types of death. It's the death in the here and now, physical death, but it's also spiritual death. Death was so serious, Christ went to the cross. But he goes on to say, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that scripture that I bet you learned in Sunday school, I learned it in a little Methodist Sunday school from Miss Julia Guy, John 3:16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have eternal or everlasting life. Come on, give Jesus one more big hand. He is the door into eternity. Why don't you stand to your feet, and we're going to close this morning. You know, we all share a common problem. And if I could ask you, before you think about where you're going to lunch or anything like that, just, just, just turn me in one more moment. We all share a common problem. It's called sin. Sin is responsible for the death of our physical body, and sin will be responsible for the second death if we ignore God's offer of salvation. Jesus Christ made a very simple promise to us. He said if we would believe in Him, we would have eternal life. What He's saying is, if you will accept my words as true and turn and follow me, I'll write your name in the book of life. And I have a question for you today, friend. Are you 100% sure your name is in that book? Nothing magical. It's nothing I have to offer you. All I am is the God that's telling you where to get fresh bread today. All I am is the God that's telling you about the cross. I wonder, is your name in the book of life? Or are you playing with life at the roulette wheel? My friend, it's too great a challenge. In just a moment, I'm going to give not two, for two things. Here's how we'll close. We'll have one last song, and, and then we'll be dismissed. And I ask you to just kind of hang with us during that song because there's going to be people here making big decisions. But we're going to have our prayer team come to the front, and during that time, we'll pray with you about anything. Normally, we do it in the middle of the service, but we had communion today. But I don't want you to leave with pressures, problems, burdens, worries, or just needing to talk to someone. Let somebody pray for you this morning. God would help you, whatever your need may be. But the biggest thing I'll ask you this morning is that if your name is, if you want to make sure that your life is right with God, if you need to receive Christ as your Savior, if you want to make that step to Christ, if you want to say today, I believe in Him, I accept His words are true, and today I want to follow Him, I'm going to ask you when we begin to sing this song that you'll slip out of your chair and meet someone at the cross. My friend, it'll be the greatest journey you'll ever take in your life. It is that point when you were going your way and you
you came to say, I'm going God's way. I'm going to come to the cross. I'm asking God to write my name in the book of life, and I want to live for Jesus the rest of my days. Listen, I'm not asking you to join our church. We will not embarrass you. But I'll tell you this, friend. It could be the most life-changing event in your whole life when you make your decision to follow Christ. When we go ahead and begin to sing now, our prayer team is coming to the front. They are here for you. It could be a miracle moment. If you need prayer for anything, just slip out of your chair and let us pray. And most importantly, if you're here and say, Pastor, I need to get right with God. I want to commit my life to Christ today. Slip out of your chair and just come and meet someone at the cross. They'll stand with you, believing God for your spiritual destiny will be changed forever. God bless you and I love you. Things that we anything this morning, but if not, hey, you're free to be dismissed, and we look forward to seeing you guys again next week. God bless you. Hope you have a wonderful week. Jesus, we love you.